Welcome back to Pocket Talk. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Gross, where we tell the human stories at the intersection of sports, innovation, and culture. I'm here with Brian Ching. You want to introduce yourself? Brian Ching. Grew up in Hawaii. Wanted to be a professional surfer. Uh, ended up being a professional soccer player. Landed here in Houston. And, um, you know, love... Uh, you know, it, took, it, was a, it was a tough transition, actually, you know, from, from being a professional ask, yeah. athlete to, <laughs> to the business world. But, um, you know, I ended up uh, doing some entrepreneurial things kind of at, at the end of my career and ended up loving that. And kind of that's kind of, you know, one of my passions now is kind of being an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's one of the things that uh, I think that kind of still motivates me to get out of the bed in the morning. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so was it a tough transition from Hawaii to Houston, or were there kind of steps in between? No, I think while I was playing soccer, it was always soccer, right? Yeah. That, was the, that was the constant. And then once that's done, it's like a total adjustment. Um, you know, everybody talks about, like, you know, how it's going to be difficult when you retire, but you don't, like... It's like having a kid, like, you know, everyone say, oh, it's, it's, it's the best thing, but it's also the hardest thing. And you don't really, really experience that until you actually go through it. And then you're like, oh my goodness, this is tough, right? Because yeah. it's, it's, it's a lifestyle change. I mean, and, and there's, you don't get a lot of prep going into it. It's just all of a sudden, it's an instant thing. One day you're with a team, all your friends hanging out all day. Next day, boom, no team. You know, you're getting up, going nine to five and yeah. trying to figure that out. And, and, and your idea of what friendships are, what relationships are, what work is, is, is completely changed, right? So like when I first retired, I felt like I had no friends because my idea yeah. of a friendship was to get up every day. I go to the soccer field. I hang out with my buddy all day. After practice, we go have coffee. And so you get to hang out with a guy all day. And then, yeah. you know, when you get into the real world, that's not the case that's not what a normal relationship friendship is like and so yeah. you know for the longest time after i retired i felt like i had no friends you know <laughs> and I, I mean i did have friends but it wasn't like that's those same types of connections and relationships yeah and it was tough it was it was really tough mentally on uh on me um for a number of years i, I think it took about four or five years before i actually felt like okay like this back is in the normal. Swing of thing. Yeah. I, I get it, and you kind of get in the groove again. But it, it took a long time, and I can see why guys, you know, that say that's the hardest part of the transition. Did you? And this might sound like a silly question, but did you like retire Friday, start your nine to five Monday, or or did you take some time to kind of figure out what you wanted to do? No, that's one of my probably my regrets is like I, you know, it wasn't really a regret. It was just like the opportunity came along because the last year of my career, I, I knew I was going to retire, and so I was like. Hey, what do I think I want to do? I want to run a team one day. I mm -hmm. want to, you know, be a GM. I want to, you know, president of a team. I want to run a team. And so, you know, I kind of talked with our GM, Chris Canetti, at the time, and he was like, "Hey, look, I'm, st I'm thinking about starting up this women's team, you know, the Dash, and you know, you can jump in and become uh, the GM of that." Yeah. And so, take me through that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it was literally, you know, and it, this wasn't like the whole. Yeah, you know, I kind of told him that in the beginning of the year, and then like. Halfway through the year, you know, the opportunity arose for him to kind of bring a women's professional team. And so then, you know, it was like literally three months before I'm retired. He's like, hey, I'm thinking about putting you in this position. What do you think? I was like, hey, you know, that sounds yeah. great. You know, I think this is what I want. And so I jumped out and literally retired. And boom, the next day in the office, you know, um, working with the coach that Chris hired to basically try to do a draft for the women's yeah. uh, team. And so, you know, there was no... 
sit back and and kind of figure out what you like and and then do that and it was just kind of like boom 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 and and i think that added to like some of the difficulty of 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 the transition right not really um knowing what i was getting into just kind of getting thrown into the to the deep end in a lot of ways and um and it was and it was difficult uh but you know i learned a lot you know i i learned that you know that's not what i want to be doing <laughs> was that a quick learning life. lesson or uh, i mean it, it took me three or four years to kind of you know be like okay you know what um you know and there's other factors into that as well in the sense that you know i um you know i got married right right you know the year after in 2014 and then you know, I had a kid in 2015 and then, so my priorities changed and, you know, I felt like running a professional organization, um, it's like 70, 80 hour a week. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, for me, my biggest, you know, once I had my son, my biggest thing was I want to be there. I want to be a good dad and I want to be around and I don't want to take this time away from him unless I'm getting paid ridiculous amount of money that yeah. I can eventually make that time up down the road. And obviously, you know, running a professional women's uh, franchise at this point, <laughs> you're, not getting, good, you're, not, you're not getting a ton of money, right? <laughs> so, to, so, you know, I, I, I made that choice um, and I transitioned out of that to uh, being, becoming a financial advisor and then ov obviously during that time, I was also starting uh, a couple of business, Pitch 25 and, and, mm -hmm. and East End. And, um, you know, I've, I found a lot of passion kind of into doing those businesses because, you know, one of the things that it allowed me to do is work with the teams again, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, when you, when you have a business or you have a team and, you know, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it and giving guys opportunity to, to, to grow themselves and so um yeah. you know that's that's one of my I've, I've found out over time actually one of my passions that's awesome yeah. so quick aside has jj watt thanked you yet for like both starting the women's team and <laughs> bringing a hawaiian uh here to houston <laughs> no no but you know i i uh, one, one of my favorite things about um when I was a GM was working with the players, yeah. you know, because that's kind of what I relate to. That's what I know. And that's what I enjoy doing is helping people and, you know, just kind of giving advice. You know, I, do I think I was a great GM? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're going to dive into you that. Know, then, but, yeah. I, but, but I, I learned a lot right at the time. And I, you know, like I said, like I kind of got thrown into the deep end and, you know, um, um, but you know, like I said, that my favorite part of that was, 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 working with the players actually getting on the field sometimes and coaching them and i really enjoyed that part of it and i think you know at, at some point you know when my son gets older i think i might want to jump back into to doing that you know on what level i don't know yeah that's awesome so, so what what uh what do you think was your biggest failure that kind of led you to <clears throat> greater success i i you know i just don't think i understood exactly what my role was um going into it and then not really knowing how to go about doing that and i don't think i did a good enough job of, uh, in the in the beginning of kind of uh creating a game plan and um moving forward with it where i was just kind of more reactionary oh this needs to happen this needs to happen doing those things and mm -hmm. you know in in all fairness i don't think the the structure that was put in was was set up you know yeah for me to 
to be extremely successful in it. And so, um, you know, there's a number of factors too. And, and it was just kind of like dealing with retirement and, yeah. and you know, dealing with, with having a, a, a child and, and really um, maybe I, in, in a lot of ways, I didn't, you know, ask enough questions or um, really prepare myself enough to know what I was going into. And that's where I wish, you know, Ideally, if I could I'd do it all again, I would probably take a year off and yeah. just kind of figure out, okay, what's your passions? What do you really like to do? Figure out more about myself and that <clears throat> uh, jump into something. Um, and that's and along the lines, that was one of the things I did that I think was most instrumental to me is like I did some self-help stuff and that really kind of allowed me to figure out what I like, who I am, why I did what I did you know, what motivates me. And, and now, you know, that allows me to, to move forward, you know, one more at peace and two, uh, in a more calculated way. Yeah. Well, that's a, a lot of, a lot of heavy psychology. I feel like a lot of big life <laughs> moments all at once. Right. You, you know, what? as far as like figuring out who I am and what more drove me, that's probably only come about in the past four or five years. <clears throat> and a lot of it took a lot of self-inflection. And I, I took this course, it's called Landmark Worldwide that really helped me see why I do what I do. And in seeing that, you know, you have power over that, you have control over that, and that it doesn't control you, 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 you have, like I said, you have power over that. And so, you know, a lot of those things have allowed me to uh, be more at peace with myself um, and um, yeah, I guess more calculated in, in how I'm moving forward in, yeah. in life. That's awesome. So I, this is a little bit of a personal projection yeah. onto your life. Yeah. Uh, and, and I hesitate to compare myself to you, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sorry. The, the like, like, I feel like one of the biggest psychological moments of moving from a corporate mindset to like an entrepreneurial mindset was, Hey, I can sit back, let the problems come to me versus entrepreneur. I got to go out and find the problems or even create problems <laughs> and solve them. Right. Yes. And, and figure them out. And it sounds like what you're saying is like, you know, you go through the soccer career where, you're just told what to do at every step of the, you know, step of the way yeah. you get pushed directly into creating, you know, a startup effectively, uh, a, you know, a women's team and, and you're told, Hey, you know, go do it. Uh, and now you got to change this mindset completely to like being more, more proactive Mention since you mentioned, mm -hmm. like that was one of your, you feel like one of your biggest lessons learned, how are you engaging that kind of mindset now and what you're doing? One there's so one of the things when you're a soccer player it's or you're a professional athlete it's you mess up boom you can turn around you work on those things all week and you can go apply it on the weekend and then mm -hmm. it's almost like an instant you know gratification right. kind of type of thing whereas in a business thing you you kind of have to like you know you jump into it but then you know the more methodical that you are about putting things into place and structuring things the the more uh, easier it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, you know, I've learned that trial and error <laughs> for sure. Um, even on the business side of things. Uh, so, you know, I, it, 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 it took a while. Right. Um, like I said, you know, because when I, in soccer, I knew exactly how to go about and get better myself, yeah. right? Throughout the week, throughout the season. Okay, just train this, work on this, do this. Whereas when, you know, you, you get thrown into like a whole business setting, you don't have any, you know, um, experience in the past, then yeah. it's like overwhelming a little <laughs> bit in the beginning, right? Yeah. And, and 
you know, probably was overwhelming the whole time for me. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm working on this, but is this really what I need to be working on? Is, is somebody working on this? And, the, and yeah. so, you know, I tried to probably do too much. I was focusing on the right things in the beginning. <clears throat> uh, I, and, and, and you learn that. Um, and I learned that. And, you know, if I, if I had to do it again, I, it would definitely be, you know, in a way more structured way and probably make sure that I was put into a better environment to be successful or, or to, yeah. that, the, you know, I, I could be more impactful uh, yeah. for the team in a lot of different ways. So uh, w before, I guess the first time I met you, yeah. you're like, I was telling you before we got on camera, one of the moments where your kind of eyes light up, you got excited when we started talking about soccernomics. <laughs> and one of the points of soccernomics is that like, you know, hiring previous prior players is exciting, right? For fans. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you don't find this no, derogatory or insulting, but like is to hire, you know, prior players uh, because that's exciting, but that they don't are not conducive to on-field success because you have that whole business element. Uh, so, so you would, you would agree with that? hundred percent. Right. But it, but it also depends on, on the player and, and, you know, their, how they approached things. And, you know, obviously, I mean, you look, there are a ton of successful players that, that kind of get into the next phase and, and are successful. Uh, and then there's a ton that aren't. And so, you know, if I was to hire somebody, <laughs> right, it, it wouldn't be somebody that didn't have experience or if he didn't have experience, but he had the mental capacity to do it, then it's putting them in the right, right. situations where they'll succeed, right? So giving them this task, say, hey, you need just a lot more structure, giving mm -hmm. them a lot more structure because that's, as a, as a soccer player, you you know, it, it's you're, it's structured. You, you, yeah. you come to training, you show up here, you do this, you do that, you do that. You know, there's a lot on your own that you have to do to get better, but you know, your life is pretty structured. Yeah. Um, you're always told what to do, where to be, you know, what you know what you should be eating and all these things. Whereas, you know, if, if, if you know, you throw somebody that's been in a structured thing into, uh, hey, go figure it out, or you create the structure, yeah. then that's that that's a huge jump from one side to the other, mm -hmm. and you know, you're not really setting somebody up to to succeed. So, you know, um, I, I, I almost feel like, uh, yeah. and let me know, maybe if I'm jumping yeah. to conclusions, but I almost feel like what you're saying is like, either if you're going to take a player, they bring a lot of experience, valuable insight, yeah. right? Mm -hmm either set them up in, in some kind of gradual improvement plan or something or yeah. or hire the player that's been put in a shitty situation you know learns a lot <laughs> and, and then the second time they come around they've, they've got you know they've got a lot to add De depends if they actually learn right yeah, from, yeah, from, that's from, fair. from the way they mess things up so you know it, it's I, I don't think there's a right formula it's just it's about people and and trying to figure out you know what's best for them and how they're going to succeed based off of how how they how they operate yeah um and so that i mean that's something i'm still learning right especially businesses i don't know if you know anybody ever gets that 100 percent right but you know that's one of the things as as i move forward with with different things is trying to find the right people putting them in the right situation and and then helping them kind of grow and mature and, and yeah and and help you along the way being a kingmaker, not a king. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So uh, I guess on the topic of like having the experience as a player, having the experience in the front office uh, and, and through the parallels of, of soccernomics, mm -hmm. um, I haven't really found a lot of critiques around soccernomics. They've kind of been able to validate a lot of things that, that gets written in the book. I've got my own personal opinions, but I'm curious yours uh, as, as we, you know, we're in the U.S., 
one of the points is that, oh, the U.S. will become a superpower because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But how long is it going to take? Why not? You know, what are the obstacles in our way? I think it's going to happen very quickly. I mean, I think if you look at soccer in this country, it's relatively young compared to every single other country. But if you look at the real development over the past, I would say, four to eight years, as opposed to the four to eight years before that, it's been exponential. And, you know, a lot of that can be attributed to, um, one, the rise of the popularity of the sport, two, uh, the access uh, that, I mean, it's always been the number one new sport, but now what the MLS has done is create pathways that kids have the opportunity to go from, you know, a club player all the way to to a professional player. Whereas when, when I was going through it, it's like, okay, you know, you go to college and then you you make the jump to the professionals and that's such a huge jump there's no steps in between so very few players can actually make that jump and be yeah. successful it's it's kind of like you look at the nba right how many guys have been successful being teenagers jumping into the professional ranks and that's kind of what almost soccer was back in the day it's it because there's no stepping paths of mm-hmm. okay you go to you know the the first division the second division and the you know or the third second mm-hmm. first can you build your way up you know and i think like baseball's a bit like that right where you you're in the yep. minor leagues and they have the different minor leagues i mean hockey i think is like that too you're kind of building your way up and and your your soccer is like that right you're you're building your way up and here back in the day there wasn't wasn't that infrastructure and the mls is now only within the past probably about five years created that structure where every team has to have a first team second team and then you know the owners are getting into it now and they're being like okay hey we got to develop players and so there's a lot more emphasis on that and that's why you see i think over the past four eight years we have guys you know playing on some of the best teams in the world now at at such a young age because you know when you look at it we have the population mm-hmm. to 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 have successful athletes they just have to be enough guys put in the right situation where you know the cream's going to rise to the top and if yeah. you raise the whole bottom level of you know of competition then the top's going to get better a lot quicker right. as, as well so you Do know you- i think that's Sorry, no, finish no, go ahead. I think that's why the U.S. is going to be very competitive, I think, in the next four to eight years where we're almost competing for, um, you know, a, a World Cup. Yeah, let's hope. So, uh, Devil's Advocate, do you feel like the, the access to the resources and just the sheer size of the population is enough of an advantage to overcome, let's say, the distractions, right? There's so much more to do in the U.S. versus other countries, one. And then two, uh, you know, is is the U.S. does the U.S. treat sport too much like a business, right? And, and and whereas soccer, you know, globally is is constantly in debt, losing money. It's not treated like a like a business, but more as a passion. I, I, I yes, I, I I think that no matter what, um, with the popularity of the sport, that we'll get there. I mean, can we get there faster if we did more things right? Yes, but I think eventually those things are going to happen because there's enough people paying attention. There's enough money coming into it now and there's enough of a population that can overcome. Right. A it's lot. like a tipping point. It's there's almost, yeah, a, a lot of those things. But I mean, you, you look at countries like, like Norway when it comes to like the Olympics and you look at, you know, they're doing all the right things to keep all their kids in there. And then, and they're, you know, they're getting, they're producing a ridiculous amount of medals for their population. Yeah. So, I mean, 
can we do it right? I mean, can is can we learn things from that? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> is it going to happen in pockets here and there in the U.S.? I think that's already happening when it comes to soccer, right? There's certain mm -hmm. owners that are like, trying to do everything right you know looking at the european models looking at the best clubs over there trying to get into all the analytics and doing that so there, there are those pockets here and you know i think there's enough like i said if you do enough right things with enough of a big enough population then yeah you're yeah. You're, you're gonna be successful um and it's a matter of time and and i mean soccer's it, it, it's a tough game right i mean yeah. to uh, Speaking of someone whose career peaked in high school, yeah, it's a tough <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah. So there's going to be ebbs and flows. I mean, does does Brazil win the World Cup every year? No, right. right? I mean, and they have the biggest population of all the soccer mm -hmm. fanatical countries. Um, but I, you know, I, I think over time, yeah, I, I think you know, yeah. it's just a matter of time before you know the U.S. kind of gets there and. You know, I, I think the rise in popularity of the sport here only keeps kids in the sport a lot longer than uh, than they used to. Yeah. So in the interest of, of being able to, let's say, expedite that, and maybe I'm being too selfish mm -hmm. in that regard, but uh, what innovations have you seen that promote better access to resources, uh, in particular with soccer and in the U.S.? Well, soccer, I think, is, is if I'm not mistaken, has probably been the number one new sport for in the U.S., yeah. You know, as far as kids playing um, well, definitely the for like the past play, right? 20, yeah. 20, 30 years, whatever. But yeah. now, you know, more and more pathways have been established and that the, you know, and, and, and the prevalence of soccer, not only in the MLS, but on TV, um, week in and week out. And people always, you know, I mean, some of these, uh, obviously, I think that a lot of the European countries have leagues that are way more popular, even here in the United States than, than, mm -hmm. than MLS is. And that's slowly changing with, with more and more teams coming in, more and more access. More exposure. But, yeah. yeah. And one of the things is like people, we're a very immigrant country in a lot of ways, right? People coming from all over. So everybody has their favorite teams from wherever yeah. they're from, right? So it's a matter of time that I think that their kids find like, become fans of of the mls teams and and, and you're kind of seeing that grow i mean mls has been around since what 96 so is that almost 12 no didn't it get kicked off with years? the 94 Olymp uh, world cup and then yeah that started years, the, yeah. and then 90 i think 96 might have been the first year yeah. so, or 95 96 but anyway it was about 22 years so yeah. you think about that right so if you know you have a immigrant come over or somebody whose favorite fan is, is Barcelona and uh -huh. they're having their son watch Barcelona all the time but oh there's soccer here oh I'll take my son to a soccer mm -hmm. game here so that kid who was three or four at the time is now 26 27 you know still probably a fan of Barcelona but like oh okay knows about the MLS right and, and you're starting to get that a little bit more and then he's more likely to take his kids to an MLS game, they're more likely to become MLS fans because now we have the stadiums, we have the atmospheres in a lot of the different places that, yeah. you know, you can, we're cultivating that. So I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's happening fairly quickly, but it's still a process that, yeah. that, I, that I think takes time. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's been amazing to kind of be a part of that and kind of see that and then be able to kind of read a book like that and then kind of think about it in a different yeah. way of, like oh wow you know i think we are going to be uh, we are on the precipice of being one of the a really good soccer nation i think yeah 
Yeah. I think we've plugged the uh, soccernomics enough yeah, yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah. If, if they want to sponsor the episode, happy to, <laughs> yeah, happy to take that. Uh, before we switch gears, uh, I yeah. also want to give a shout out to our research agent Juan, who's who's going to be doing semi pro in Atlanta and, awesome. and kind of working through those different nice. levels. Uh, hopefully, get to what's the team in Atlanta called? Georgia Storm. Georgia, Georgia Storm. Storm. Anyway, oh, yeah. uh, so go out and watch Georgia Storm. <laughs> the uh, so, See, so, I wasn't around twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, that's true. No, right? and it's, it's exciting and like so. So another element of Pocket Talk that you know the festival and, and, right. the, and this media company is this accelerator, and we've we've now like started uh, the process of getting our first cohort, and we're interviewing a ton of companies, and we've seen a lot of them trying to democratize access to a lot of those resources, mm-hmm. whether that's having virtual reality access to you know. Barcelona style coaches or, you know, uh, people trained in that capacity or uh, being able to create scenarios that are more game like, right. And get people better reps in a more game like scenario. It's, it's been amazing to kind of see the progress and that's all happening in the U S right. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not something that's being built in other countries. Uh, do you think that's, that's going to, I mean, traditionally the U S has been very wealthy, given kids every opportunity to kind of really train. Do you think the technology is going to be again, a distraction or do you think it's actually going to continue to, to, to kind of help advance and expedite that? I think growth? the way I look at it is, is the more different pathways that you have to become professional in, in, in any sport. Um, the, you know, we're going to say like the rec here or, you know, eventually the semi-pro here or, or the technology for this club and this. Human beings learn in, in so many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. You, the way you learn something is or way you pick up on things is probably different than the way I do, right? Yeah. And so I think the more different, you know, coaching styles or things like that, you know, and if kids are moving between them or learning about different ones, the more likely they're, they are if they have a good coach to come and stick with, with that style or whatever mm-hmm. and learn quicker in whatever yeah, capacity yeah. that they're learning, right? And where they learn best at. So I think that, you know, the more of that, that's out there the more you know you're going to get kids finding the right style that that, that fits for them mm-hmm. right and I, I and, and that's a big part i think of you know another thing that i went to one time was it was a, it was a coaching seminar and it was like the the man that run i forget his name but he, he did an amazing job of it um and he was like okay of all the coaches that you've had in the past what do you remember about them right what are your favorite things about them and and 90 percent of the people in 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 the audience were like oh because he he cared or he talked about this he he Mm did this and it was it was was like 10 percent of the people was like oh because he was he was awesome at like a tactical telling me where to go here (laughs) and there and that right and when you think about youth coaching that's that's such a big thing and that's why so many kids get turned off to the sport is because the coaches don't uh, I don't think they understand that in a lot of ways. It's more about a personal connection with yeah. with, with with a player or with a person than it is about being a good coach at that age. I, right. You know, as you get older and you mature and you become, you know, later on and soccer gets, I guess, you know, higher levels, then, you know, the tactical comes into it. And then, but for the most part, when they talk about the most impactful coaches that you had when you were a kid, it was, it was more about the coaches making it fun, exciting, and showing an interest in yeah. in in the players, and I think that, you know, I think that's just another side of of um, 
of getting kids to stick around and be a part of it and, and stay with the sport and whatever. cultivating so, that yeah, passion through it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. So I, my, I guess the only thing I remember from coaching, uh, was one Glenn Davis, you, you may know, yeah. uh, is I, I just remember him bragging on my left foot one time and I was like that this, I've, I've reached my pinnacle. <laughs> uh, and then two, my high school coach being like, uh, you know, you got a lot of potential potential means you ain't shit yet. Uh, and, and actually I've carried that through a lot of things that I, that I do. So I, to your point, uh, it resonated quite a bit. Yeah. No, okay. no, 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 no. I was going to change gears. So you've got no, another comment. Go uh, okay. So, so you've talked a little bit about, you know, your post-soccer career, finding your passion and given that you've had some time to, to find your passion. Uh, let me ask this question. If you weren't a professional soccer player, what would you do? <laughs> I don't know. I, so when I went to college, you know, uh, like uh, the league didn't start till 96. I grew up in Hawaii. I didn't know about any professional leagues or anything like that. So you know, my mom was like, hey, you want to go to college? Help me get a scholarship. Oh, what am I good at soccer? And then when I went to college, it was like, okay, to get education. And so what, I like numbers. I like math. You know, at first I thought I was, you know, I went down this actuarial path. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was like, yeah, maybe I don't want to do that. And then it was just like, okay, accounting. What's the yeah. best, what is, the, what I was like, what is the best uh, degree in business school that I can get? And I was like, oh, I think it's accounting. So I, so I majored in accounting, right? And you know, oh, thankfully, man. I thankfully I didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one one summer, um, you know, after I graduated, I actually um, was in the minor leagues, and so I had to work as well. Yeah. So I did like accounting for a firm, and I was like, <laughs> No, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> yeah. done. I'm done doing that. I'm glad I know about numbers. Right. I like math. Useful but, you know, Now yeah. it would be like more business finance. I would probably go into if I, if I had to do it. But um, uh, I think I lost my train of thought there. Um, I thought you were going to go down the path of surfing. To be honest oh, with you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's what I wanted. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, do what, what, what was going to be is, uh, I probably would have, you know what, probably would have went down being an accountant until I got bored out of my mind. And then hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'd like to think I would have became an entrepreneur on some level because, yeah. um, I enjoy that side of things so much more. Uh, but you know, I, I, you know, thankfully I didn't have to, but I probably would have ended up some kind of accountant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Do you feel like math helped you at all in your soccer career? Um, not really. You know, I mean, <laughs> that, was, that was a total selfish question. I didn't expect a good response. I just, I'm a big math nut and I was like, maybe yeah. if I would have used that a little more, I would have been better. But <laughs> Helped me with my finances, personal finances for sure. Yeah, but yeah. outside of that, no. Well, well uh, I mean, you talked about a little bit is like the, the biggest issue that, athletes have when they retire is is the psychological like psychological shift but like mm -hmm. you hear a lot about the personal finance side of things where they're just like there's not a lot of planning around that uh did you find that to be the case maybe not for you but for kind of the your 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 colleagues your peers i mean in, in soccer you always knew you're gonna have to work after especially <laughs> when we were playing we weren't making you know the six figures like like some of the guys are now mm. so you know it was it was more of just kind of getting by and trying to save save a bunch while you could but you always knew you're gonna have to work um when you retired in 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 another job yeah. so um you know i i don't think that you know maybe some of the guys had a little bit of financial problems just finding the next phase of their career where mm -hmm. they're going to make money but um, you know, you don't hear, you, you haven't heard of too many guys being like, okay, it blew it all. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, cause well, it's, it's a good point. Cause, cause like yeah. you're, you're already thinking that, Hey, I'm going to have to work anyway. Yeah. Maybe you're already kind of starting yeah. to save money instead of getting the, you know, million dollar signing bonuses that you get in the, you know, in the <laughs> NBA, NFL, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah and, 
so yeah you know that really hasn't been an issue in soccer you know and and still today i mean some of these guys are probably they're gonna have to work but yeah. you know one of the things i realized was like okay it's it's not easy to make you know four or five hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. when you're not you know playing soccer anymore right and so you know it, it's it's one of the things that like i like to you know if i'm talking to guys be like okay like while you're playing let's let's start thinking about how you're going to supplement your income when you when you're done playing and yeah. where you know what you're like what you like now and you know how to, to to eventually monetize that or learn more about that and then get into like the next it's more of like more planning yeah, <laughs> into yeah, yeah. your next phase of your life right because it's not like you're making a ton you'd be like oh okay i can you know do you, do you find a trend in terms of like what a lot of the soccer athletes want to get into post uh, career well, I think most of them probably want to stay with soccer, right? Become <laughs> coaches or stay in, stay in uh, on the business side on, on, on some level um, just because that's what you know. That's yeah. what you're an expert at in a lot of ways. And so it's an easy transition. But, you know, I think a lot of the guys just following them are very entrepreneurial in a lot of ways, yeah. right? They want to they they want to you know make money they want to control their own destiny so i think a lot of the guys have that um that uh passion or spirit so i think you know in a lot of those ways i think that a lot of guys end up maybe trying to get in, get into things but then they end up trying to want to own their own businesses and yeah. be entrepreneurial in a lot of ways too well there's a ton i mean we we, we had a, a guest <laughs> on and and we'll have a guest on in the future that's like very dedicated towards teaching personal finance to athletes. And so you're still kind of in that athlete space, but you're combining kind of one of the biggest issues that you're saying a lot of athletes and maybe not at soccer, but in other sports face. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it is like still having that connection with guys. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and that's a big part. And that's what I, I think I, I missed a lot is, you know, when I jumped in the front office is lost a lot of that connection to a lot of the yeah. guys that, that I played with and, you know, if I had to do it all over, I'd love to try to find a way to work with those guys in some kind of business where yeah. we're all motivated to, you know, to, to be successful at it. And, and, yeah, stay as a team and stay around guys that you like and enjoy and know um, inside and out that are, that are motivated. Yeah. Well, so I forgot to mention, I want to thank Pitch25 for letting us shoot here, but uh, and, and you're obviously part of this early on. You probably hear the kegs getting loaded in the background, <laughs> yeah. but the uh, but Pitch25 was crowdfunded uh, early on. Mm. Uh, you know, take me through that process. What likes, dislikes? Uh, yeah, Pitch25 was, was my first real, you know, business experience where I was, you know, part of one of the managing members of it. And, um, you know, thankfully I was smart enough to, to partner with guys that knew what they were doing they were in the industry so I, so I learned a lot um, along the way and I wasn't trying to create something from scratch right I had, yeah. definitely had guidance had you know um, a lot of support um, in a lot of ways and uh, from my partners and so um, while I was playing I've, I've drove by this building <laughs> a <laughs> yeah. ton right and I always knew of big watch parties for World Cups for big soccer matches that you know, people were kind of going to the bar down the street and I was like, well, what's special about the bar? And there wasn't really anything special, right? It was yeah. kind of dingy, dirty, but, but people loved that environment of just getting together. And so I, I figured like, Hey, if I, if I build something and I could kind of put my brand on it, I think people will come. Right. right? 
and you know the crowdfunding was one aspect of it so you know i went out and raised a bunch of money which was a lot harder than i thought and people like <laughs> bars you know the right. restaurants they all they all fail and you know a lot of the guys that invested in it were like yeah i just threw a little bit of money but just because you were my friend and you know, <laughs> I, I didn't think you guys were gonna be successful well, good thing you've got a lot of friends and yeah. and, and so um you know that that was actually a big learning experience and then you know the crowdfunding part of it was i look i think i i wanted a lot of people to know about it i wanted mm-hmm. a lot of people to feel a part of it um you know every time we came to the stadium you know we have that fanatical groups you know yeah. the surge the Batillon, the texian armies and and i felt like hey if i created this and they all kind of Bought, put a little bit of money into it they'd feel like they're they helped create something yeah. they feel like this is their home base and you know what that was that was i think one of the most the best things i did because it also just organically put the word out there and yeah. like we literally opened the week before the world cup and our first day we just kind of threw the doors open it was a dynamo game day and yeah. just like i mean we were overwhelmed with how many people came in here <laughs> weren't really ready for it you were man in the bar yeah, yeah. and then like literally you know a week later this it was packed it was yeah. you know and i think a lot of it had to do with 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 the crowdfunding yeah. you know obviously my brand and uh our location i think were, were perfect so it was a, kind of like the perfect storm of yeah. a lot of stuff but the crowdfunding i think was was a big part of why we had so many people in here for the world cup and why this yeah. was a world cup spot to be in 2018 um and, and the you future. know <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully yeah. for forever in houston <laughs> well i mean I, I, don't, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit because I, I feel like as, a, as i'm listening to the story you took that team atmosphere that you craved so much from soccer and you said, Hey, I need to cultivate this community, this team around this bar, you know, and not just because it's so, it's so well located next to the Houston Dynamo stadium, the Houston Astro stadium, you know, in, in downtown, but it's like, I want to, I want to create this, this team feel, this community feel to, to the bar. Yeah. And I, that was a big part of it is like, I wanted people to feel a part of this and create an experience or create a, place for people to come that feel like oh this is the place to watch sports right yeah, yeah. um you know at that time it was, it was soccer but you know also the name right it played off the name of of pitch being you know mm-hmm. like a astros right. throwing a pitch or whatever so or a soccer i thought pitch, that yeah. you know because because most people you know i i think a lot of americans didn't really understand what pitch was in the right. beginning right like soccer field what they call it in in, in uh, england mm-hmm. and and then you know i didn't want to throw my name up there either and that you know i don't know i felt weird about that right yeah. so it was like okay 25 mm-hmm. i think it kind of flowed with pitch but that was my number and if if you were a soccer fan you you would get that right. kind of association with it so you know and um you know we put a wall up there with all the next seed and and mm-hmm. our investors names up there to kind of make them feel a part of it and that, you know i think it was a lot of those little touches that really helped yeah kind of just this place take off from day one. Yeah, man. Well, what, there's nothing that builds community better than sports. I feel like, and, and I think it's incredible what y'all no, done. No, for yeah. sure, especially in Houston. I mean, right. And that's the thing about, and, and and it was one of my proudest moments. I think was during the World Cup, and you know, it was the Colombians in here, it was the Brazilians <laughs> in here, it was the French in here, you know, it was the Mexicans in here, and and just to see that diversity every day was like a different yeah. subset of people coming in here. You know, and that's one of the things I love about this city is yeah. it's, 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 it's kind of how I grew up. You grew up in like a melting pot and then, you know, you're, I, you're more cultured in that way and mm-hmm. you're less likely to jump to, you know, 
uh, judgments about different people or races and things like that. And that's, that's awesome. And that's, and that's what I really, really, really appreciate about this place. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you what your biggest takeaway is for the audience, but I think, I think that kind of nails it. So I want to jump into rapid fire questions, uh, which like, you know, being Argentine and playing soccer, I call them stoppage time uh, <laughs> okay. questions. Okay. Uh, so, so just top, top of mind, get as deep or as shallow as you want into them, but best purchase under 50 bucks. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know. You know, so, uh, well, I wouldn't say favorite thing under fifty bucks, but I would say I would say my favorite purchase of all was was that uh, um, was that landmark worldwide mm -hmm. course that I took. You know, just learned about myself inside and out, and um, forced you to take responsibility for a lot of things that you've done in the past and in relationships and. Um, for me, it, it was a lot more than 50 bucks, but <laughs> I would say it was, it was the best money I've ever spent. Maybe it's like less than 50 bucks a day. If you, <laughs> if you spread it out over the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's your favorite productivity hack? Productivity hack? Yeah. Uh, your, your, your buddy Kennedy said making lists, but making we've heard lists? things like taking cold showers. You, you know, know what? That, like is, that. that is probably one of the things that I don't do enough of, but is most effective for me is, is make lists. Um, that uh, to steal his is, is, is probably one of the best things I do. But, you know, another thing I like to do is just get up and I start reading in the morning, uh, yeah. read for a little bit to kind of just get my mind straight, get going on the day. Yeah. All right. Uh, favorite sports quote or sports moment? Uh, favorite sports moment. Um, I had two <clears throat> and they're, they're both personal. Um, but the to 2006, 2006 World Cup went to Germany with the team um, for some reason it was I didn't even get a play but it was during the second game we were playing Italy it was during the national anthem just standing there in the stadium hearing all the American fans sing the national anthem and I was like holy crap yeah I'm a small kid from middle of the uh, middle of the Pacific yeah. standing here representing my country in the biggest sporting event of the world and it, for me, it was just one of the most proudest moments and most, uh, I, I didn't even get a play, you know, <laughs> but it was just that, that moment. It was just like, God, look how far you've come. Right. You know, that, that's, that's pretty amazing for a kid that didn't even grow up knowing about the World Cup, knowing their European leagues, knowing any of this. And you actually are sitting here representing your country. And so, you know, that for me was like the most memorable, probably sports moment um, that I've had. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, well, we'll keep it there, man. There's nothing else I could ask that's going to better that. Thank you so much yeah. for your time, Brian. Thanks, Pitch25, for letting us uh, come out here and, and kind of record. And we're really, really looking forward to all the stuff we're going to accomplish in soccer here in Houston, the U.S., and abroad. I appreciate it, Alex. Yeah. Thank you.